0: In John chapter 20, verse 24, very, very quickly, this is familiar scripture to you, but I want to deal with this this morning on the most faithful, John 20, 24, <clears throat> now Thomas called the twin, one of the 12 was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. What a powerful statement. Now I know what they mean. They were there when Jesus showed up. When he showed up in the room, they were there and they were able to see him. You and I, we've not seen the Lord with our eyes. But what a powerful statement it would be for us to declare we have seen the Lord. And so he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of his nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, and the doors being shut, and he stood in the midst and said, peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, Thomas, reach your finger here. And look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving. In other words, Jesus told him, said, look, Thomas, quit doubting, but believe. Yes. Thomas answered and he said to him, he made a declaration at that point and he said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you've believed Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Turn back with me, if you will, to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, look at verse number one, which is a very, very familiar scripture. We've used the scripture many times in messages. John 14 and one says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know that too. Thomas, again, here he is, said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going and how can we know the way? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Father, I'm asking you that you'd open our hearts and open our ears today to receive your word. Speak to that area that needs to hear in our life, in our heart. Speak to that mind that possibly, Lord, has closed you out. Open it up. Let us disc up, let us break up the fallow ground in our hearts and our life today. Do some watering, do some watering today. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much, worship team. My, what a powerful move of the Lord few moments ago the Lord just impressed upon me and so Chris and Michael if you're listening to me today I want to tell you that God impressed upon me that around that bed even Brittany if you're listening that there's a host of angels around you amen. ministering to you today I believe that I, that's I believe the Lord showed me that and I'm believing that God's going to touch her going to strengthen her today amen amen God is good God is good I want to ask you a question who in the Bible would be considered to you the most faithful? Somebody give me, give me a name. Jesus, other than Jesus. Who? Moses? Elijah? Job? John? Abraham? There's many that we could say probably would be considered the most faithful in the scriptures. We possibly, and some of you may have said this, I just didn't hear it, we possibly could say that it was the Apostle Paul who went through more pain probably and suffering than in his life for Christ than probably anybody else has. I can't think of anybody else who suffered more for Jesus than Paul did. Matter of fact, you can go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, and you can see some of the things of Paul. Paul said, for with greater labors and far more imprisonments With countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods and once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers and dangers from robbers. Dangers from my own people. Dangers from Gentiles and dangers in the city. Danger in the wilderness. Danger at sea. Danger from false brothers in toil and hardships. Though many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst and without food. In cold and exposure and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure of me on me, of my anxieties for all the churches. Think about what Paul was saying. I mean, Paul was beaten countlessly. He was in prison. He was lashed. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was hungered. He thirsted. He was in toil and hardships and sleeplessness exposed to the cold and constantly in danger from robbers and even at sea from the Gentiles. So possibly we could say that Paul was no doubt probably a faithful guy and probably we could all agree that yes, he was. I heard somebody say a while ago, John, John the Baptist was probably the faithful guy. Jesus said about John that among men born of women, and that would include every one of us, (coughs) that there was none greater than John. Think about that statement. This was the guy, the one whom was written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way before you. The one who also said, there is somebody coming after me whose sew I'm not worthy to unlatch. I mean, this was the guy. He was the forerunner. He was the guy that was the one in the Jordan River when Jesus came and began his ministry, Sister Parker, that Jesus came and John baptized him and John was able to witness the Trinity at that point when the heavens were opened up and God spoke with an audible voice and, and the Spirit of God descended like a dove and this is my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased. Could be, John. Someone said a while ago it was Abraham, Abraham the faithful. I mean, really, when you think about Abraham, Ab- who was more faithful than Abraham. He was willing to sacrifice his own son in order to be obedient to God. This was the son of promise. And so how hard this must have been for Abraham. He left his own city, the nation of Ur, leaving the rest of his family, left his friends, left his security, and all that he knew to go to a place that God said, I'll show you. Just go. And he left what was He was used to. He left what he was accustomed to. He left the, the, the strength of home and family of home and all of that. And he went to a place that he never seen before. He was willing to do this as an act of faith and obedience. Can I stop here long and say there's some of us that's been on a mission in our life that we, God has told us to leave and we, we're, we're entering new ground today. We're walking on new territory. It's a place that we may be unfamiliar with, but God said, go. And God said, listen. And God said, obtain and be obedient. And we done what God said. I mean, even Abraham was listed in the hall of faith of Hebrews 11. It was by faith, the Bible said, that Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to a place that he was able to go to receive an inheritance. And he went out not even knowing where he was going. The Bible says, by faith, he went to live in a land of promises in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob and heirs with him of the same promise. He was looking forward to a city that the Bible said had foundations whose designer and builder was God. Therefore, from one man and and him as good as dead were born descendants, the scripture says, as many as the stars of heaven, as many as innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. So surely Abraham would be considered the most faithful in the Scriptures. Or we could say it was Moses. Somebody said Moses a while ago. Moses the meek. It was said of Moses that that he was the meekest and most humblest man on the face of the earth in Numbers 12 and 3. But that doesn't mean that Moses was weak. Meekness is not weakness, but it's strength under control. It was by faith that Moses, when he was born was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that this child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated by the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So possibly Moses could be considered or could it be, as somebody said, Job, righteous Job, I mean, when you think about it, Job suffered so much and for no reason that he could see, but he still said, even though God slay me, yet I'll trust him. I mean, think about this. Imagine losing all of your children. Imagine losing all of your belongings. Imagine losing everything you have and then still saying the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Think about that. That'd be tough to do, wouldn't it? I mean, Job lost everything. Lost everything. I mean, in just a short period of time, he lost everything. Where would you be if you lost everything today? Think about it. Think about it, Dad. Think about it, Mom. Think about it, family. Where would we be if we lost everything? Would we still be able to say the Lord gives and the Lord takes away? Or would us go around saying, Lord, why'd you do this to me? Why'd you allow these things to take place in my life? Why, why are you allowing all this calamity to come to myself? But the Bible says, Job said, though he slay me, I'm gonna trust in the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. I mean, we could include the Apostle Peter. We could include Barnabas and John or Stephen or somebody else. And as the author of Hebrews writes, what more shall I say? I think Dad read this to us last Sunday. What more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and and Jephthah and about David and Samuel and all the prophets who through faith, the Bible said, conquered kingdoms. They administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, who quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword. Whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead; they was raised back to life again. There were others, the Bible said, who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they could gain, so they could might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword, and they went about in sheepskin and goatskins destituted, persecuted men, and mistreated, and the world was not worthy, Hebrews said of them. The most faithful, the most faithful. Let me ask you another question this morning. Who do you feel like in scriptures considered the one that doubted the most? Anybody can tell me? Say it again. You listen to that. Everybody has this same guy in mind, Thomas. Thomas. When I ask you the question about who is faithful, we had different answers. We had Moses and Abraham and Job and David and all these others. But who was considered that one doubted the most? Everybody, all of us, considers Thomas as the one who doubted. It was Thomas. That's what I want to deal with you a little bit this morning. That was just my introduction a while ago. When we think of the Lord's disciples, we have a certain words that probably every one of us come to us, every one of us. We we think of Judas Iscariot, or we would say he's Judas the betrayer. We think of Peter, who denied Christ three times, but also we think of Peter that God said, hey, upon upon you, upon the rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. We think of John, the one Jesus loves, and we also think of Thomas, and I could go on and on, Thomas, or as we all assume that he is doubting Thomas, and and I want to look a little closely at this guy this morning about doubting Thomas and see if his name really fits the character of Thomas. Is this doubting aspect of Thomas really negative, or should we see doubting Thomas as a positive trait? When we think about this and we looked at the truth about this to believe, it was was more than willing to believe once he saw the truth. Maybe Thomas just needed to see the truth. Maybe he just had questions like all of us have. And, and, And I don't have time this morning, but I promise you, every one of us at some point in time in our life, we have doubted, right? Every one of us. At some point in time in our life, every one of us has asked questions before. Just as I said a while ago, if if the calamity falls upon us, if we lose everything, Lord, why is this happening to me? Why are you allowing me to go through what I'm going through? Why are you allowing my husband or my wife to act like this or my kids to act like this? Why is the church folk acting like this toward me? Why does it seem like God, all hell itself is coming against me? We've all had those doubts before. We've all had those questions And I think that the doubt that Thomas expressed really when you think about it is is well in this quote that I found the other day that just simply says his doubt had a purpose. His doubt had a purpose. Thomas wanted to know the truth when you really look at it. Thomas really did want to know the truth. And his doubt gives evidence not of a lack of faith, but of a desire to have faith that is founded in what he really believed. It was grounded. It was founded in what he believed. I mean, there's three times in the book of John that Thomas is mentioned in the gospel. This is the only gospel that makes any mention of him beyond being listed in the list of disciples. When you go to John chapter 11, verse 7 through 16, that's where we find him first. The Bible said that after this, he said to the disciples, let us go into Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you there. That's where you want to go, but lately the Jews sought to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anybody walks in a day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go and that I may wake him up. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking again about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, in other words, you, better, you guys better listen to me. This is what I'm fixing to do. Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sake that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. In other words, I don't care what you say, I'm still going. But look here, then Thomas wasn't Peter, it wasn't John, it wasn't those top three, you know, Peter, James, and John that was always hanging around him. It was, it was Thomas that said, who called, the, who called the twin and said to his fellow disciples, hey guys, let us go that we may die with him. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? Let us go that we may die with him. The last few times that Jesus, according to Scripture, had been in Judea, the Jews had tried to seize him and to kill the Lord. Christ was, was there. Was, it was a good reason why the disciples weren't eager to go back to see Lazarus because they knew trouble was in the way. But we look at this case as a good example of Thomas who knew that Jesus was going back there no matter what the disciples thought and Jesus was going to go to his now dead friend Lazarus and Thomas's statement that he, he made here was a very, very brave statement in that he had assumed that if he had went and that he's going to go with Jesus, it could very well mean the end of his life. Now let me ask you, if, you, if I said to you, hey, I'm going such and such place, there's a 100% chance that I may be killed, but I need somebody to go with me. Can I have any volunteers? I got one, two, three. Oh, hallelujah. I got more than I thought. (laughs) Really, we would really seriously probably have to think about it. Because if I get killed, there's a huge possibility that you may be killed as well. Thomas understood this. He understood this, but he was willing to follow Jesus in this case, even if it meant death. He was putting into action the teachings of Christ that we find in Mark 8 34. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whomever loses his life for me, for the and for the gospel, will save it. Amen. And so Thomas here was willing to follow his master, even though it meant and possibly could have meant death. He truly wanted to do the will of God. And if if this meant death, then he was willing to take it. Now, when I read that and I look at that, Sister Carol, I, I don't see where this falls in line with the personality of a doubter. But yet, that's the name that he's given. But he was willing to die for the Lord. He had his relationship grounded enough. All the other disciples, they said, Lord, don't you understand the last time we was there, they was wanting to kill you, they was wanting to seize you, they was wanting to arrest you. Uh, we, we may not need to go back there, in other words. But Thomas was willing to go. Thomas could only see the disaster, but he was, he was for going on. Thomas was determined to be faithful even in the midst of death. And so for Thomas, there may be death, but there could be never a disloyalty. He was loyal to Christ. The second time we see Thomas mentioned is in John 14, 1 through 6. The scripture I read to you while ago about let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house or many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. That should be a promise to every one of us this morning. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. But Thomas spoke up again and said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, I'm the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And when you really look at that scripture, I think that it is really neat to see that the second mention of Thomas in John is this mention and a question that he asks, and I'm sure that other disciples, no doubt, I promise you, and no doubt, that every one of those disciples had that same question on their mind. How can we find where you're going? Lord, we've been hanging around you, see, some three years now. We, we, we want to hang around you. And, 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 and that, that brings about one of the greatest I am statements of Christ. When the Lord said, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. One of the most known statements of Christianity today stems out of a question coming from Doubting Thomas Ask, or maybe he was just an honest guy, but he just simply, Brother David, wanted simply to know, hey God, we don't know where you're going, but if you'll tell us, we're gonna be there. And we can probably look at this and say how little faith that Thomas had because he didn't just keep the words, accept the words of Christ and go on his way, but, but he was eager to know that if Christ was going to go away, Thomas wanted to go with him. If not, why not ask? Why did he ask then? Lord, I, we don't know where you're going. How, tell, us, tell us how to go. And Thomas was going to get there. He was, I believe that he was very honestly and passionately said, I don't know the way, but I sure, Lord, I want to follow. I sure want to follow. Let me ask you a question Have you ever been in your life from a spiritual standpoint and, and you lost your way? Yeah. Have you ever gotten in your life in the situation and said, Lord, I've, I've, sort of, I've sort of lost my way. I've, I don't know the direction that you want me to go, right? I mean, I can pick out several of you right now. And the reason I can pick out several of you because you've come and talked to me and said, Pastor, pray for me because I've sort of lost my way. Just help me pray that God show me where I need to go. Show me what I need to do. Thomas was the same way, but I promise you all these other disciples, they had the same thought on their mind. He was just bold enough to ask, tell me how to get there. And when you look at this, not only was, was he so passionate about going with Christ and sticking with the Lord, but he also sought out a deeper truth. And he asked a question, he brings out a reply that really is at the heart, when you think about it, of Christianity today. Lord, how can we get where you are? That's really what we try to do every Sunday, right? When we've come. That's really what we try to do every Sunday morning when we show up and we begin worshiping with one another. We truly, really are asking, Lord, I I love you so much. I just want to know the way that I need to go. I want to be close to you. I want to gain insight with who you are. My relationship with you, oh God, I don't want it to stay where it is right now. I want it to grow every day, every hour of the day. Help my relationship with you to grow and don't let me get to looking elsewhere. Don't let me look to the left or to the right, but let my focus be upon you. You already know this. I don't have to tell you this, but i gonna tell you, if you, don't, if you don't continue your relationship with the Lord, the world will come in. Yeah. Amen. The enemy will come in. He'll blind you and he'll, he'll, he'll disarm you. Your word is your armament. It's the armor of God, as Brian is going to be teaching this afternoon. It's the armor of God. You've got to put on the shield. You've got to put on the breastplate. You've got to get your shoes ready to go. You've got to get your clothes ready to go and be a part of the Lord's army. Amen. Don't allow the enemy no room whatsoever to come in. Because if you leave just a little bitty opening, he'll come in. Thomas was there and. It wasn't, I don't believe, that he doubted the Lord. His relationship was solid because earlier in John, right, he said, Lord, he told the other boys, he said, look, guys, he's going to Judea. He's going. And so let's go with him that we may die also with him. I believe his relationship was solid and grounded in Christ. So I understand that these two scriptures that I gave you was not really where Doubting Thomas gets his name, but it's in John 20 and 24 where he gets his name, Doubting Thomas. Look at it. Now Thomas, called Didymus, was one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came and the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the Bible says they were at a house again. Thomas was there with them and through the doors, they were locked, but through the doors Jesus came in and stood among them and said, peace be unto you. And then he said to Thomas, Now I'm not sure if he said anything else to the other disciples or not after he said, Peace be to you, but the Bible doesn't record that. It really records after he said, Peace be to you, immediately he turned to Thomas and said, Look, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands and reach out your hand and put it in my side. In other words, stop doubting and simply believe. And at that moment, Thomas said to him, My Lord, and my God. It sort of reminds me of of last week, I believe I talked to you a little bit about Peter standing on the seashore with Jesus, and Jesus asking Peter the question, hey, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, yeah, yeah, I love you. Then feed my sheep. Again, the second time, the Lord said, Peter, do you love me? And yes, Lord, you, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Third time, Jesus says, hey, Peter, do you love me? Now, I don't know if you can see it, what I saw in the scripture, but you sort of get the idea that Peter gets a little irritated with the Lord asking him that question. I mean, he, was, he, had, been, he had already come through denying the Lord three times, brother Adam. He'd already come through that time that the Bible said he'd went out and he wept bitterly and God graciously forgived him. He already been through all the chaos of not understanding and not knowing what to do and he was just going back fishing and and he saw the Lord standing there on the shore and he jumped out of the boat and he swam over there and three times the Lord asked him, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know everything. You know it all. You know I love you. Jesus, at that point, Peter had a change. Never, nowhere else in scripture do you find from that point, Peter ever doubting or ever thinking and asking questions about the Lord, he was solid in his relationship. The point I want to bring to you this morning, church, is there's some of us today, we need to make a decision today that I'm not going to doubt anymore. I'm not going to to worry about God, that God doesn't have me. He has me. In every walk, in every area of my life, every step that I take, God has me. He has my back. In the good times, He has me. In the bad times, he's got me. When I'm not feeling well, he's still got me. When I'm on cloud nine, he's still got me. When I understand that all power is given unto me through the Lord Jesus Christ, he's got me. When I feel like crawling under a bed somewhere because I don't want to get out and face anybody because of what I'm going through, can I tell you this morning that God still has us today, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It may be all right for me to question why. It may be okay to say, Lord, show me the way. It may be all right to say, Lord, I may not know the direction that you want me to go. Just show me how to get there and I want to follow you. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus told him, Thomas, blessed because, I mean, you have seen me. You've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So when you consider this, it's so easy to see where we get the Nickname of Doubting Thomas is even Jesus says stop doubting and believing. And it's easy to say, oh, well, Thomas was a doubter and even Christ himself said so. But when you look at the whole story, consider this. Think about this. Mary Magdalene was the first person to see Jesus when he got up from the grave. She was the first person to see Jesus. And then she told the disciples, Jesus said, go and tell them. She told the disciples, and when we look at this first appearance of Christ, the disciples, they were locked, right? They wasn't at home. They wasn't out in the courtyard somewhere. They were not grocery shopping. They were in a room locked up, scared to death. They were locked up in absolute fear for their lives, and and I mean, I don't want, I don't want to add anything to the, uh, that, that's not in the Bible, but when you look at this, if we look at this, we'd see that, that Christ first appeared to a former prostitute. And this woman tells a group of good Jewish boys that the Lord has arisen. Think about that. I probably would think that there probably would be some doubt in the room. Would there not be? The Bible doesn't say it, but you have to assume that this is information is coming from this woman here. And she said, The Lord is risen. We hadn't saw him. We saw him going to the grave. We saw him hang on the cross. We saw him take him down. We saw him be, being put in the tomb. It's been a few days now. We we hadn't saw him, and this information comes. And so to me, it would see that, seem that Thomas was not the only one who had to see in order to believe. But maybe he was the only one who expressed it, or maybe he was the only one that in the Bible that the Bible tells about so that we may can learn. From his example, I don't know. You can you can study it out and wrestle that question and that answer out on your own. But Thomas was not with them. And when they told him, he said, I have to see and I have to know for myself. So yeah, probably there was doubt in his mind. But I really, really, really don't think that there was doubt in his Lord at all. Mm-mm. I don't think, Brother Roger, there was doubt in his Lord because of Statements that he had made prior. But maybe doubt in a man. He didn't give up on Jesus when he, when he had not seen him for himself. Even for a full week, even after everyone else had seen him. He was living on faith. He was living on faith by being, by being with the disciples the second time. He needed to see him for himself. I'm going to be there. I don't, I don't think he ever gave up on Jesus. I don't think he ever gave up on the faith that he had. Thomas needed a faith. And he had a faith that was founded on fact that he himself had discovered he couldn't take anybody's word for it. Now listen to me, church. Let's just get real with us today. And I know I'm sort of teaching here a little bit this morning, but look. You know, sometimes I've had people, and no doubt you probably had people too in your spiritual walk that's come up to you and say, hey, God is, has shared with me something I need to tell you. Anybody ever had that happen before to them? And they begin to share what God has for them. Sometimes I've had people to come and tell me things that was way off the wall. So what am I supposed to do with that information? Am I supposed to correct? Am I supposed to fuss at them because you don't have a clue what you're talking about or just listen, hide those things in my heart? Yeah. Don't make a big scene in that sense and disrupt and upset another member of the family of God. But there's been moments that people has come and also and talked to me and told me things that was right on target, Right? I mean, they told me and it's like hit me right between the eyes. It's exactly what, what I'm going through. And I listen and I gain that insight. But I have a decision at that point. It was, let's just say dad come and told me something or, or brother Mesa come and told me something. I have a decision to say, look, this is just mere man speaking to me. God may be using them, but it's mere man. So I, if God, if you don't tell me, and I don't know if I'm going to believe. Has anybody ever... Been there like I have before? Yeah, we've all, we've all been there. At least I hope you have. Now I'm sure you have. Thomas was no different. The disciples was no different. No different. He just needed a faith that was founded on the fact that he had to discover himself and could not take anybody else's word for it. Not a doubt. But he was faithful disciple. His reaction to the risen Lord is is very profound when, when he finally tells the Lord, Lord, my Lord and my God. Powerful truth that comes out of Thomas right there. Powerful truth. He knew that when he saw the risen Lord, he was truly encountering God. I don't think he'd ever forget that. And I'm sure that I know many times that you and I can identify with Thomas. We've got doubts. And we want to know We want to know something for ourselves. Is is this thing real? Is our walk with God real? I mean, can we really live every day with a smile on our face? Can we really have a relationship with Christ that gives us joy, Brother Wendell, every day of the week? Sure we can. Sure we can. And if I was to ask some of you, especially those of you that's been healed before, Especially some of you that's been touched miraculously before, or God has just touched you in a in a mighty way. Is this thing real? What would you say? Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I've told you this story before, but several years ago, when we came back from Brownsville, one of the Brownsville revival, I went, Sister Sue, with an intentional reason to get prayed for because I was at a place in my life where I really didn't seem like I had any direction. That was just me. And I went because everybody said, they'd already taken two or three trips down there. Everybody said, when you get down there, pastor, let everybody pray for you. Let the pastor pray for you. Let those on the staff pray for you. Just let somebody come by and transfer the anointing. Well, I've, I have understood what transference of anointing is before Bridget. I, I, I've studied that out before. And I said, okay, that's what I'm gonna do. And I went and I got, pastor to pray for me. Pastor Kilpatrick. John Kilpatrick. The the well-known, popular John Kilpatrick. Power man. Power of God. And I believe he's a wonderful man of God. I had a guy by the name of uh, Brown. I can't think of his first name. Brother Brown pray for me. He was a Jew. He's the one that come hit me in the stomach. I got a little mad at him. But he hit me, Kim, in the stomach and I I want to get prayed for. But he hit me. I, I don't know. I couldn't figure that one out. But anyway, I had two of the ladies of the worship team that God directed me to, and I want want you to pray for me. Little lady, shorter than I am, if you can believe, she laid hands on me, powerful lady of God, praying a prayer. Four or five times I had them pray for me, but I'm gonna tell you something. I never felt nothing. I prayed. I lifted my hands. I asked God, give me, God, what I need. Never felt nothing. Never felt nothing. We got back on the bus. We come back to Blyville. We was calling a few people because some on the bus wanted to have a little prayer meeting when we got back to Blyville and we ended up in the parking lot out here and I went into the gym doors of the the gym back here. And when I got in to the gym, the Lord put me on my back. I mean, just that fast. All of a sudden, something come over me and he put me on my back And I promise you, I tried, I promise you I could not move. All I remember is tears, hot tears rolling down the side of my face. And I remember people coming over and looking at me as if I was dead or something. I don't know. But they would look at me and I guess pray for me, I guess. But I don't know how long I laid there, brother Adam, trying to get up. And all of a sudden it dawned on me this was a God thing. Seriously. This is a God thing that that this is what I was seeking. I didn't get it down there. Now listen to me, church. I'm, I'm fixing to help some of you. We'll seek after our touch from other sources rather than who we need to go to. It wasn't Brother Kilpatrick that needed to pray for me. It wasn't Brother Brown that needed to pray for me. It wasn't the, the worship team that needed to pray for me, although there was nothing wrong with that. What I needed to be reaching for and searching for and, and, and asking is for the Lord to touch me. Amen. And he got a hold of me that day. And he taught me some things that day. And he put me on my back that day. And if you used to ever come to me and say, Pastor, do you believe that it's real or not real? I'm going to have to tell you, standing on my two feet, that yes, it is real. It's real. It's real. It's real. I know that it's real. (laughs) Hallelujah. And what concerns me today as a pastor is that we have folks in our congregations that they know that it's real but they don't seek after it. I'm going to stop here just a second. I I want this to sink into us. And we allow outside sources to come in and doubt begins to happen. Frustration begins to take place. All kinds of feelings that comes when we allow the enemy to come in I'm going to tell you something about sin. You already know this, but sin will mess you up. Sin will do things to you that you will not think that will happen. Sin will make you make decisions that you will not think that you'll ever make. You'll make them because of sin. And because of not staying close to the throne. So let me ask you a question. What faith is greater? What faith is greater? Is it the one that never doubts? Or is it the faith that doubts and then investigates and then believes? I tend to think it would be the latter. It's a faith that doubts possibly at times and and I investigate and then I believe with what I find. I can give you story after story after story of people that I've just found and people that that I even know that had come and Set on church. Matter of fact, dad tells a story years ago about a, a guy by the name of, uh, of, uh, of John. John Shiera, I think that's how you say his last name. I can't, I don't, I'm not sure. John not John Whitkey, John Shiera that, that come and set on the, set on the pew, that, the, the Afro guy. He was a drummer. And dad met him in a house going to pray for somebody else. And this guy was sitting there and dad, I guess it was the Lord, said, I double dog dare you to come to church and just sit under my preaching. And John showed up. Didn't believe God, didn't trust in God, but God saved him. Today, he's a minister of the gospel. Story after story, just by listening and reading and investigating and examining who God really is. What faith is greater? The one that never doubts? Or is it the faith that doubts and investigates? You can see examples of this all throughout history of people who doubted, and and some even went as far as to try to dis prove Christ and what happened was they found the true Christ they found the true Christ many of them did this and so when we have doubts or when we hear about doubting Thomas we got to remember that he was so much more than a doubter but rather he was one who needed to find out for himself and if you've heard nothing else today listen to me if you're struggling in your faith today. If you're doubting in your faith today. If you're sort of straddling the fence today. I beg you to do some investigation. It's okay to doubt. May not be nothing wrong with that. But investigate. Investigate who Jesus is. Get down to business with your relationship with him. I'm going to tell you, when Karen and I started dating, I investigated who she was. Why, Pastor? Because I wanted to hang around her. Yeah. I wanted to spend time with her. I couldn't seem to get enough of time being spent with her. And the more that our relationship began to grow and to flourish... And the like become a love. I just wanted to be with her all the time. Now you'd have to know me. Mom and dad can tell you, I never one time talked about marriage. I was 21, 22, 23 years old. Never thought about getting married. But all of a sudden, brother Adam, my investigation come into a decision. And I made a decision, hey, I'm going to ask this old girl to marry me. And we laugh about that, and that's I, and I, and fine. I, don't, and I tell that to be a little humorous, but when you think about it in our relationship with Christ, Sister Mary, my relationship with Christ is worth more to me than anything in the world today. I investigated him. I was born into a preacher's home, but I still had to investigate myself. Just because Daddy said it, some things was okay, but some things I had to check out for myself. I had to investigate some things. I had to find him who he was. Who was he to me? I knew what he was to my father. I knew who he was to my grandparents, Sister Marilyn, but I want to know who he is to me. So I had to search some things. I had to find some things. I had to work through some things. And there are possibly no doubt some of you that's here today, and you're searching in your life, is this thing real? Because, because see, this is, this, is what, this is what gets me. There, you can't really believe 100%. Why, Pastor? Why, why are you saying that? Because of some of our actions. Because we do some of the things that we do. So we really must not really believe that he's the king. He's king over my life and he's coming soon. Or We wouldn't act the way we act. We wouldn't do what we do. We wouldn't go out on a tangent somewhere. We wouldn't put ourselves in danger somewhere. I'm probably just like a lot of everybody else. If I knew, Sister Sheena, that I'd get up tomorrow and I'd, if I went to Walmart and I knew, I, I mean, I knew 100% that there's going to be two or three people there that's going to shoot me down, I'd go to the dollar store. <laughs> wouldn't go to Walmart. Nobody told me about the dollar store. It's okay there. It's just Walmart that's the issue. And I know some things that God has told me in his word. So I got to follow what God says. I got to follow what God says. And so we can trust others if we want to. But here's, here's what I'll leave with you today. We must search. We got we to be like Thomas in his dedication to Christ. In his desire to really know for himself the risen Lord. And I think Thomas really fits into what Josh McDowell one time said. He made this statement. He said, said, my heart cannot rejoice in what my mind rejects. Think about that statement. My heart can't get glad. It can't rejoice if I don't believe it, if I don't reject it. But if I believe it today, if I believe there is a God, if I believe there is a Lord over my life, if I believe there's a Jesus that died for me on the cross of Calvary, if I believe that he took the punishment upon his back, for my healing today, I'm going to tell you, I can rejoice today. I can be glad today, even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of trauma, even in the midst of decisions that I've made, I can still rejoice today. And so we got to search, both with our hearts and with unseen faith, With our minds, and we've got to. We've got to, church. We've got to discover the risen Lord. We've got to discover Him. It's not just something we do on a weekend thing. Please hear me today. I don't know why I'm laboring this point today, but it may be because somebody is here that you're 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 wrestling with this thing. We got to discover the risen Lord today. Don't take my word for it. Go to your book. Go to praying. Go to seeking God. We must discover the risen Lord and get everything that we can through him today. I want you to stand with me all over the house. Hallelujah.
1: I don't know if you, I don't know, if you know this little song, Chris. She so simply says, At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. Sing it one more time. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all. Once you bow your heads and close your eyes, sing it once again. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith, I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. I want to do something a little different this morning with your heads
0: bowed and eyes closed. Dad, if you will, I want you to come and stand right up here, if you don't mind to do so. Brother Caleb, I want you to come and stand on this other side, right over here. I hadn't planned on doing this. I want you to stand here. Is Karen here? Is she in the Karen, I want you to come and stand in the middle. I'm gonna join you down here in just a second. My heart is heavy today because there's people in our congregations today that they're blinded. They know what to do. They they come and they know what to do. They know how to go through church. I was that way to some extent. It, Two or three times, Sister Mary, in my life, I I know know how to do church. I've been in thousands of services, so I know how to do church. But church, Sister Sue, wasn't getting it for me. It wasn't cutting it for me. The songs was great. The people were great. But there was something missing. And I had to discover the risen Christ. There are some of you that are here today that you're, you're searching. Nothing wrong with that. You're searching. And you need the Lord to show up in your life today. You need him desperately. We're here today and we want to pray with you. If you want to come, then I want you to come. I'm going to pray in just a second. They'll sing whatever they want to sing. But from from the balcony and on this main floor all over this house, If if you'd be truthful with yourself and say, Pastor Danny, I'm searching today. It's not that I'm a bad guy. It's not that I'm a bad girl. I'm just searching. I need answers. I need, I need God to show up for me. I, I, I don't want to walk anymore with, with mama's faith and dad's faith. I got to have my faith. I got to walk in my relationship with you. I want me, I want it. Just be selfish with it a little bit today. That's okay. Be selfish with it a little bit. I, I want a I relationship and experience with me and you, God. I promise you, if you'll allow that, if you'll come with an attitude of repentance and an attitude of obedience and an attitude of accepting what Christ wants to give you, he'll give it to you. He'll give it to you just exactly like you need it. Father, in the name of Jesus, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, Lord, I I don't want to embarrass anybody for no reason whatsoever. I wouldn't do that, God. You know me. But Lord, I'm asking you today, I'm asking you, Father, to release us today. My hand is extended to you today, says the Lord. My love for you has never wavered. I've not forgot you. I've not forgot who you are. I've not questioned where you've been because I've known where you've been. You're my child. And I love you unconditionally, says the Lord today. And my hand extended to you. Will you take it? Will you take it? Will you take me for who I am? Will you take me for being Lord of your life? Will you take me and leave all the others aside? Will you just hold on to me, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, release us today. Holy Spirit, reach into where we need to be reached to. It may be hard. There may be a coldness. There may be an indifference. There may be an unsure of how we feel and why we feel the way we do. But God, release us today. And let us come, let us come, let us come. I want you to keep your heads bowed and eyes closed and keep, remain, remain praying. They're gonna sing a course or two of whatever they've picked out, but I wanna give you time today to come. Would you come in the name of Jesus? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
2: You're running